Hi, my name is Bridget, and I've never seen the Santa Claus. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fine. I'll watch it. Uh, Once again, my name is Adam. I'm Johnny. Uh, And as you heard up top, we are once again being joined by Bridget, who has not seen the Santa Claus. Bridget, welcome. Thank you. Always Uh, a pleasure. So this may sound a bit different. It's a little bit wonky. We are doing our first uh, not in-person Uh, recording of fine i'll watch it the other previous episodes we were all at least in the same room still distancing of course uh, and following protocols outside of no podcasting but since the world has gotten bleaker in the the last couple of weeks uh we're doing it we're doing it a little bit different so if uh, we sound a little bit wonky that is uh that is why so just wanted to clear that up top but we still are in the holiday spirit so we wanted to to get another Christmas movie uh, under our belts. Uh, last week we started things off. Johnny watched Scrooged. How are things sitting with you a week later, Johnny? You still have you thought about the movie at all in the last week? Uh, it hasn't aged well for me, to be honest with you. No, <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's gotten worse the more it sits and ruminates. I just I've, I have hard times remembering stretches of the movie. I think it's like it felt like a almost kind of like a not a bad dream, but just not a great dream. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mostly forgettable to be quite honest with you. I think uh, I think Bridget uh, is going to get a little bit better of a taste with a sort of the uh, the asshole turning into like the nice guy. No spoilers, but you know Tim Allen plays a uh, a great sort of snarky type of guy in a lot of his roles, and I think he does it a lot better here than say Bill Murray did in Scrooged. Which is saying something because I don't think I would say that Bill or Tim Allen does many things better than than Bill Murray in general. But right. if we're gonna chalk up Christmas movies, I think this is a a good one to watch. So uh, Bridget, we'll we'll turn to you here. You are of the same age as as Johnny and I, and this mm-hmm. this is a movie that came out in 1994, so would have been in your lifetime. What? Yeah. Uh, why do you think you've missed out on the Santa Claus thus far? Uh I don't know. Um, it just, you know, it wasn't like in our like rotation. Like I was like when I was, I was three when the movie came out. Like when I was really young, I was like animated or Jaws or nothing. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. like a big like live action kids movie type of kid. Like okay. if I was gonna go to the video store, like it just wasn't up my alley. My sort of like cultural knowledge of this movie I think comes from some VHS we owned like had previews of the movie I want to mm. say it's like the Lion King VHS maybe it would make sense because both are the timing yeah the timing is yeah. right right um that had like previews for it and it just never the spirit never moved me I was never like that looks like a lot of fun. I would like to see that movie. Like, I, I don't know. And, you know, I, I want to say my mom might have beef with Tim Allen. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. See, we should get her on for the for the second yeah, part. Sure. <laughs> Bridget's mom, friend. what's your beef mom, with... Mom, what, what you, you, how do you feel about Tim Allen? Yeah, do you, do you have uh, any I'm... idea what it is? Did she, like, buy bad cocaine from him in the 80s? Yeah, or? right? Like, <laughs> um... 
I think, well, yeah, there's a lot of things, I think, knowing what we know about Tim Allen now that she probably would find not so great about him. But um, this was also when, like, home improvement would have been big, right? Yeah. yeah. So my mother is, like, one of those people, like, she hates sitcoms. She hates comedies. She's a funny person, but, like, something about someone trying to make her laugh, like, she will turn on you on a dime. Wow. She's like, don't try to make me laugh, you clown. Never mind. One, one way. Yeah. yeah like, We're not getting her on the podcast anymore. I've changed my mind. If I if I'm not allowed to try yeah, and make her yeah. laugh, that's it. Yeah. Um. So that could be part of it too. Um. But again, like, but my father's not that way. Like. Yeah. I I don't know. I I don't have like a good theory as to why I missed this necessarily, and like. You know, as I got older, it just wasn't something, like, I would seek out. Like, I think part of that has to do with, I think your Christmas movies get cemented at, like, a young age. Mm, And, like, that sort of period, at least for me, is, like, very traditional of, like, I'm watching Muppet Christmas Carol. I'm making these four versions of cookies. I'm doing this. Like, I'm not one to, like, stray. It's not broke. Don't fix it. It's a checkbox Christmas for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What about you, Johnny? What are your uh, What is your attachment to this movie? Uh, yeah, it, it was definitely in our catalog of movies. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. It even still had like that, like super white plasticky type of Disney uh, box. Clam if you shell, remember those, yeah. correct? Yes, yeah, it, I believe it, I believe it was delivered in one of those. It absolutely uh, was. Yes, I'm pretty uh, sure I either have a copy of it downstairs or have passed on it at the thrift store several times recently um but i think uh beyond that it started turning into just catching it on tv because i think it started being in rotation a lot on a lot mm-hmm. of like these tbs and disney disney channel or whatever yeah i feel um, like it's a free form disney channel like free forms 13 days of christmas or whatever their thing is that they do or the disney channel would have had it being a disney movie right um, so that um, makes sense, yeah yeah, I think, and also this is kind of around the time where I think Disney started playing with the idea of entertaining like both p- parties in the room, like the kids and the adults. Um, and this is kind of like it falls in that that slot because I, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. I haven't seen it in years, but I'm thinking about it now. It's definitely like there's a lot more for adults here than there are for I say kids. I guess there is some sort of whimsical imagery and you know all the Santa holiday stuff is there, but mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of like funny jokes and stabs at Christmas and kind of like, you know, again, I think the, the big thing here is like in a lot of this sort of Disney movies or whatever, it's like adults growing out of the idea of Christmas being enjoyable. So I think this is kind of uh, where that sort of falls into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you're right in that this is the era where they were going after like the parents just as much as they were the kids. And I think they were using Tim Allen to do it. Cause I mean, you've got, there's, three Santa Claus movies, Bridget. So just know that there is a franchise uh, here <laughs> on our hands, but he also did like jungle to jungle. Uh, and there were a lot of those other movies in oh, that right. same thing around the same time. Um, so I think that was a nice, like a nice bridge to get the adults in is like, Oh, here's the edgy comedian, you know, from his, you know, from his rap sheet in the eighties to his sitcoms of today, Tim Allen. Uh, right. Plus you've got all the Santa stuff. Um, I mean, Home Improvement's what brought me in because I'm pretty sure I saw this, and I think every Santa Claus movie in theaters, just like as a thing that oh, I would wow. have done, like with my mom and my sister, um, to see these. Yeah. So 
Um, but I definitely would have wanted to go because of home improvement. Like I loved home improvement as a kid. And so this was right in like the, like the middle of home improvement fame. I think it was like 90 to 99 is the home improvement era. So right. um, this is, you know, pretty much smack dab in the middle of it. Um, and it does, you're right. It does play with that. Like this is for adults. I was actually just looking. Um, there was like some things that were cut from subsequent releases so that you won't see here. So it's technically not a spoiler, but at one point he's like handed a phone number. That's like for a, that was for an active phone sex line that at one point like was in the movie and in all the home releases and someone called it and like racked up a huge phone bill that got taken out in subsequent releases. So that, <laughs> that won't be seen in this version. Um, but it does have a lot of things like that where there's yeah. stuff for the adults to like, you know, kind of how we talked about last week with Scrooge uh, to like, you fall in with the, I hate my job. I hate my life. Everything's, you know, not going my way as an adult let me look to the childlike wonderment of Christmas to solve all my problems kind of thing. So this very much is in line with most of those Christmas movies that star some kind of adult in the, you know, the main role. Right. Right. And I think Tim Allen's a great vehicle to sort of bounce something like that. Oh, it's, it's the holidays. Everyone's got to be you know joyful and everything. He's a great contrary and he does it in a lot of his roles. And I think it's, I, once you see the movie bridge, I think you'll say it's perfect casting. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, I think it's, it, for me personally, it's not up there with like the best, but it's completely enjoyable on its own. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think you'll like it. So now Bridget, you mentioned your, you, you think your mom's got beef with Tim Allen. How do you feel about Tim Allen, either the person or the actor? Um, you know, not my fave. Um, you know, there's, I don't know. Like I just, I, I have a bad feeling, and this is part of the reason, like, I've not sought this movie out as as a grown person of, like, I just am afraid that Tim Allen is going to rub me the wrong way, but I don't know. I'm trying to go in with an open mind okay. and an uh, open heart. Yeah. I'm trying to open my heart to Tim Allen, but overall, like, wasn't wasn't a home improvement fan. Um, I mean, it's mostly but, all you have to go on at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, um, I don't know. And, like, now he does that sort of, like, I don't know. He's just kind of, like, ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Sound effects. Like, okay. not my cup of tea. But, gotcha. again, open mind. Open yeah, mind. yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's changed a lot, too, in, you know, since he's kind of faded away. I mean, he has last man standing in terms of being around nowadays but that was even a far away gap between like the end of home improvement and that show with him doing like anything in between like i don't think he's done a ton of movies and things post home improvement shaggy dog oh yeah wild hogs yeah wild hogs i I know i completely like a disney like dad like for a long time because both of those are disney yeah, well, I mean, Home Improvement, Home Improvement was ABC, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I don't know if Disney was or ABC was the one who produced it, but it was on that network at the very least. He's got Jungle to Jungle was a Disney movie. Yeah. Um, this obviously is Disney franchises. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else. Toy Story. Like, Toy. Oh, yeah, Toy oh, Story. Of course. Yeah. Probably. I do. It's fine, but, like, obviously Woody is, like, 
far superior character. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking here at just at his IMDb page. He's got another Christmas movie, Christmas with the Cranks, which I don't think I've ever seen. That's right. I haven't seen it either. So that's another Tim Allen Christmassy movie. Let's see if it's streaming on AMC+. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that would be the thing that pushes us over into, like, getting a joint account. Yeah, only AMC Plus from now on. That's all the movies we're doing. So whatever's available on AMC yeah. Plus. AMC Plus, if you hear this, please sponsor us. Yeah, right? We'll take Your it. Your first sponsor. Yeah. So far, we're two-thirds of the way through this podcast, and it's been your movies, so we'll take it. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at his IMDb, and it's mostly Toy Story-related things. It's, you know, voice in a video game, voice in the movies, voice in the TV shorts. Um, so not really much else beyond that. Hey, it pays. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, that's what I was saying with, like, Disney kind of locking him down uh, in terms of, like, being an ambassador. I Really, his first, like, big movie role was, was Jungle to Jungle, and that was a, a Disney movie. So, you know, he's got some some other things there. But for the most part, they, they've really just been his, uh, yeah. you know, his right. meal ticket, so to speak. Jungle to Jungle come out before this? No, I think this is technic. This is uh, before. This is before, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jungle the Jungle's ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. So yeah, so th- so actually, this is his first big. I misspoke. This is his first big movie role. Because his only acting roles beyond you know just him being a comedian or whatever was Tropical Snow. He was the baggage handler in that movie. I don't know what that is. Uh, it was a movie from nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, he was doing home improvement stuff and then the Santa Claus in terms of like movies yeah, and home improvement started in 91. So it was 91 to 99. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is pretty much right in, uh, right in there for him. So uh, yeah. So I think it might be time to, uh, to break unless is there anything else anybody wants to discuss before we uh, get into separately watching the movie? Uh, no, I, I, for me, I think Bridget, you're going to walk away. thing is just, it's a perfectly fine Christmas movie. I think you're really, yeah. you, I, I think the fact that you, you're not a big fan of Tim Allen, I think this is probably going to earn him a couple of points. Okay. Uh, so I think you'll, for me, what I get, for me personally, I don't remember watching a lot of home improvement. It just wasn't one of the shows we watched, but I remember this, like for me, I think of him as Buzz Lightyear and like, honestly, this to be quite <laughs> like, it's, it's really like the two things that I like have watched, like maybe not regularly, but I've seen often in the last, you know, couple of decades. All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to see where it, uh, where it ranks for you as a Christmas movie and maybe your number one, most favorite Tim Allen movie ever after this. <laughs> um, all right. Bridget, that's take... true. Look out toy story. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, no, that's a, that's a Tom Hanks movie. That's different. Woody. That's it's true, all, yeah. it's all about Woody. Um, all right, Bridget, take it away. Fine. I'll watch it. All right, we are uh, we are back. We have independently all finished watching the Santa Claus, the 1994 Disney film starring Tim Allen. Uh, now this is obviously different than previous episodes where we were all able to sit in the same room, see reactions, hear laughter, hear cringe, see teeth chattering, uncomfortableness, whatever, whatever it may be. <laughs> There's um, a little bit of that here. Yeah, uh, but we weren't able to to obviously do that this time. So I'm, we're going in completely blind in terms of reactions here. Um, so Bridget, I'm very curious to hear what did you think on your first watch through of the Santa Claus. I I am so conflicted <laughs> right now. 
You're, wait, about how it. I feel about this movie. Okay. And like whether there's a there's a huge chunk of it that is so bothersome to me that like it has it is like coloring some of my like experience of the movie and I'm like if just this one part was not there I think I would like I could just say I enjoyed it what a lovely like it was a lovely cute little film cute premise um besides the whole murder part like I think it's like really imaginative and fun and like there's parts of it that were like very sweet and genuine and sincere which I wasn't necessarily expecting like this unlike Scrooge does walk that like bittersweet line well but this is and I didn't know this until I went to like go play it on Disney plus and I looked like at the summary and it was like divorced dad gets it and I was like oh fuck this is a 90s family movie with a divorce plot line yes it is god fucking damn it yes it is and it suffers from sort of what I think a lot of films that came out of this era suffer from which is that it's they're being written by adults who have divorced without the perspective of children who are actually living through a divorce. Yeah. Cause I think that's one of those weird things about the nineties is that a lot of, mm-hmm. there were a lot of adults that were getting divorced that never experienced being a child of divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like the generational divide is what it is where like, if you were a 30, 40 year old, your parents didn't get divorced in the seventies and 80s with the same clip that they did in the 90s yeah okay and it like if you so my my sort of high watermark for like movies that like divorce is not at the center but it like plays like a major role and it like kind of colors the movie is et like when you think about steven spielberg like his own family history like he is a child of divorce and like that's a theme that runs through a lot of his films like that is a movie that does it well and it approaches like that whole movie approaches everything like from Elliot's perspective and the perspective of his siblings. Um, right. Yeah. You don't even see like the adults like from the waist up like at half of the movie. Yeah. You get like you get a little bit of the mom, but it's really how like the like the kids are driving the narrative of like how they're coping with this like overwhelming sort of change disruption. And this movie, like every bit of it that was related to the divorce, I was like, I I fucking hate this so much. I hate this so much. <laughs> this is done so fucking wrong. Like, partly because I'm like, I having like, like, I'm like, yeah, that was a th- like, I, I can't and I can't decide. I'm like, do I hate it because I relate to it? Because like some of the things I'm like, well, that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Do I hate it because like I think a lot of like some of the bad behaviors like being played for laughs, like of some some like writing assistant like was going through a divorce and was like, This is what I wish I could say to my ex wife and now mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. be like the fucking audience for this shit. Yeah, for someone's like therapy session. Yeah, I and I just like I don't know. Like to the point like I had this thought like during the movie, which is terrible, where I was like, 
I just wish the wife was dead. <laughs> Did you just say that because it's a Disney movie and one parent should be dead in a Disney I know, movie? I'm like, like, I just, I like. Oh, Charlie and, would be so much happier if one of his parents were dead. I swear yeah, to God. I just, it would be so much easier for me. Um, but just, and the, that sort of, I think, like, problem that a lot of these movies have where it's like at the end like one or both of the parents goes to the child and like is like thank you thank you charlie you really showed me what i was supposed to be doing and i just i hate that trope because (laughs) my own experience of it was god damn it i wish you could just be adult which might be my own bit of like maybe i should take it to a therapist but i just (laughs) It like just doesn't does nothing for me. Right. <laughs> so that's my Yeah, that's I mean overwhelming feeling coming out of the movie, I guess. That it like I it was hard for it to not dominate. Well that's an interesting perspective. That's an interesting perspective too, because like Johnny and myself are not children of divorce. So like right. I don't it doesn't color my judgment of the movie like granted and also having seen it as a kid um has a different like lens and filter to it as well but not being able to have that part of it be like i have questions about your thoughts on the dynamic um Mm -hmm. which which we'll get to because there's a lot of even watching it now just trying to like pick out different you know talking points or whatever um there were some things where i was like damn really like that's how you want to act in this situation like okay Um, (laughs) but that's but that's just from a person who's just watching it and trying to be like analytical yeah. about it and it didn't hit me over the head where I feel like it probably hit you over the head a little bit more yeah. with that I, part of the movie. And I'm completely like there is a part of me like it's a live wire for me like like I can't watch Mrs. Doubtfire for like the same reason, which is mm-hmm. a good and beloved film it for is. a like, lot of good reasons, but like mm-mm, mm-mm. No. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't need I mean, it. I just don't need it. I mean, they're very similar movies in that regard too. It's yeah. two divorced dads put on fat suits to uh <laughs> to try to regain so the love of their children. Time with my kid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think with the with the divorce, especially like with this movie too, it's like they it's there to exist to separate him right away so he can do like all the Santa Claus stuff. Same thing with like Mrs. Doubtfire, like like it, the movie can't work if the if the parents were together. Like I'm like you. That's an interesting perspective, and I'm trying to think about it right now. Would the movie work if it's if they were married? I I'm think tra- I'm trying to think like how they would go about like because the the mother would have to either be a, a part of it or like think that the, her son and the father are insane. Yeah, I think it could work just because I feel like you could do it where he's the standard trope of he's the work too much dad. It's the mm-hmm. It would be like it would be more like Hook if you want to equate it to another Robin Williams movie where mm. he's the absentee dad who, you know, has to find that childlike wonderment in order to find the love of his kids right. or whatever. And they help show him the way a lot. Like they're very similar in that um, in that vein. And those parents are together throughout it. He's just more absentee because he's he's working a ton. And I feel like you could have done that the same way. It didn't necessarily need to be a part of it um but mm-hmm. i definitely feel that the it fits in that 90s trope of we need to have a divorced dad because writer a is going through a tough divorce or <laughs> you know right. what happened or and get, it's, and it's, yeah it's not I, even just to 
be like, you know, it was, it was becoming more of a, a larger phenomenon in society. Like, of course, it's going to trickle into like popular culture more widely. Yeah, right. but and I again, in, in, in a Disney perfect. movie, no less, where they're not trying to be heavy-handed with, with kids and everything like that. It just, if it was a more of a serious movie, I think the divorce would have been handled a lot better. But the fact that it's a Disney movie, they can't. There's a there's a hard way to sort of uh, explain what's going on, like the deep sort of underlying tone of divorce, how kids deal with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, and that's the. I think there's a way to you know approach it where you know you can. Like, I, I just don't know. I'm like, it didn't have to be marriage story, but, like, at the same time, like, it lacked, a like, some nuance for sort of what, what Charlie's experience would have been. And for me, like, you know, I center myself much more in sort of Charlie's experience than I do Chris Kringle. What's his name? Scott Calvin. Scott Calvin. Yeah. Papa Chicho. <laughs> <laughs> the part I'll never, I'll always remember from the trailer is that little interrogation scene where he's yes. just running through the different, were, the different names. Yeah. As I, as the movie was going, I like just sort of like brought the the trailer back for me. I'm like, oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So Bridget, with this sort of the divorce plot aside, mm-hmm. what do you think of it as a whole? As a holiday movie, as a Tim Allen movie, favorite parts. So I guess um, really so some of the pluses that you've had with the movie. Some of the pluses. I think, you know, some of it like I'll give it some points. Like when the dinner gets messed up and they have to go to Denny's. I <laughs> like that. I was like, that's a thing. <laughs> okay. That was that was one of my questions. Classic. Do you like Denny's? Because he says it's an American. <laughs> I wrote Actually, one of my notes is, um, uh, I would love a Denny's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had we, candles lit and everything. Yeah, I know it was very, very she she in that Denny's. Like, but I love you know Denny's is not like a traditional diner, but it has that that vibe. It's like yeah, yeah I like this. And they're open um, all the time, right? And of course, it's all the. Of course, it's all the divorced dads with the kids at Denny's. It just like that was just a sad thing to see. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, what was your what was your thought? Had had you ever been to sad divorced dad the restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, at least not on Christmas Eve. Okay. Um, although the, every time I see my father, we do go to one diner together. Okay. Basically, like even if we don't have plans, like I know I'm gonna end up there. Okay. And he'll be like. Because he knows all the waitresses. He's like, Connie, this is my daughter. She's getting married. Like, kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, I was like, yes. This is, <laughs> this is an accurate portrayal of... Yeah. See, uh, those writers going through divorces. Yeah. yeah. They know. They have firsthand experience. I love the... When he looks at him and he's like, to burn the turkey. And he holds up, like, the hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all huge and messed up. Uh, it's just a shame they were out of literally everything. Mm-hmm. Um... I like a touch that I liked is that the elves were all kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Which did make for some uncomfortable moments. Right. Although it was leave Judy alone. Um, yeah. Listen, she's thousands of years Scott, old. Yeah, I'm yeah. seeing someone in rapping. <laughs> I'm seeing someone in rapping. Like, 
that the, there's parts of the movie that are really clever and sweet. Um, I loved the biggest laugh for me is like when they went to career day and they open up with the fireman and the, the teacher just in that whole scene, like was killing it. Like, right. Um, I'm so sorry to hear like, about I'm your so partner. sorry about your <laughs> Never have dead um, firemen been so funny. Yeah. Um, I love. Um, I love her delivery of like. Would you like to bring up your whatever this is? Your Neil, <laughs> Doctor Miller. Yep. Let's talk about Neil. Let's talk about Neil. Talk he's about he's, Neil. he's not a doctor, guys. He's not a doctor. Yeah, he's a psychiatrist. I'm assuming he has a PhD, and that's why he calls himself a doctor. We don't ever see his credentials, so they could be fake. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but if he's a psychiatrist, he can prescribe meds. So he right. would technically be a doc- I don't know. It's a good but, point. Um, Which sweater was your favorite? <laughs> I think I, I had an arsenal of sweaters. Yeah. yeah. I like them all. I like them all. I didn't okay. hate the sweaters. Okay. So what were your thoughts overall on, on Neil? Um, my initial reaction to Neil, and maybe this is uh, like the movie doing something good where just like my one of my like first notes is like neil doesn't believe in santa claus fuck you neil (laughs) like you're like initial is like who is this clown get out of here neil and he is like he's characterized as like sort of borderline like just like know your place neil <laughs> yeah, yeah like i want to i want to know more backstory on like so like they're married I, you can see that they're referred to as doctor and mrs miller they've got rings on but like i want to know how long neil's been in the picture because yeah he seems to be overstepping a lot of boundaries of right. a normal father mother like separate re- but equal relationship partnership kind of thing and like obviously it's clear that scott is a workaholic and he's you know he's late and he's never around or whatever and there's clear this animosity where he just comes in and says what was it passive aggressive things or whatever he whatever comments he's got <laughs> snide remarks um but it definitely seems like he's he's bad mouthing scott to charlie like when he's not around right that much is clear and Scott just yeah. seems to be making like off the cuff jokes, but he doesn't seem to be going like, no, he's a bad man who does bad things. <laughs> my, my, fav- that- my, my favorite jab was when he goes to pick him up, Charlie at the house, and she's talking about like him bouncing around the bedroom, or whatever. He's like, I'm not talking about Neil, I'm talking about Charlie. <laughs> yeah. There were so many good jabs at him throughout. Like, I, and not, not to sort of uh, change subjects or anything, but for me, like, I think the first third of this movie is like, is awesome and then it kind of takes a bit of a nosedive because i think the best parts of the movie is when tim allen is taking those jabs and doing that sort of snarky stuff mm-hmm. yeah once it gets to the like christmasy part it definitely ramps towards the yeah. conclusion pretty quickly right, yeah changed. like is is the santa claus like really like a brain eating amoeba because like scott changes on a dime like not just physically but just his whole like it it feels like one of those funguses that like takes over ants brains and then all of a sudden they're like part of a collective like and it you know he does lose some of that 
Yeah, I think he just sort of, but not for the better necessarily. Yeah, I I think he just gives up once he just keeps shaving and it grows back right away, and he's like, "Yep, I'm in big trouble." Yep, (laughs) like he just he just has to accept the fact that there's like ten thousand red boxes in his in his house, (laughs) and his beard's growing back in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Something about the timing of the movie, too, doesn't really track in terms of, like, clearly this takes place over one whole year, mm-hmm. but we don't know how how far into the year did he get super fat? Like, how far into the year did he go gray and have to shave where it immediately grows? Like, how long was that transition? Because it seems like it all happened, like, instantaneously because they were like, wow, you're taking this a bit too far. Like, I can't believe it. You look like you've ballooned overnight with all his weight gain. But then, like, it still somehow takes him like a year to like settle in and realize that like, Oh, I am Santa. I should do this. Right. So I think that yeah. that kind of hampers that a little bit. Cause you're like, what? wait, what, how long? Does yeah. This... The... At the, the end, because he ta- time is squeaky. Right. Mm-hmm. I just realized what, that when he takes Charlie to the North pole towards the end of the movie, the second time, is that, uh, is that Thanksgiving that he takes him? I'm trying to think. Cause he was like, you have to be back by Thanksgiving. Um, no, I think it is Christmas Eve. Like the the sort of denouement of the movie all takes place on Christmas Eve. Huh. Yeah, because he's off it, to go. No, I know what you're saying. Like, because he definitely says you've I'll got go. you've got till Thanksgiving to get your affairs in order, and then you've got to be back here so we can like get the final prep and ready to go. Um, right. And it and it does seem like Charlie's gone oh. for like a, like like weeks or days at least. Oh, that's true. Oh. It doesn't now, seem, it, yeah, it doesn't seem like he takes him on Christmas. I think he takes him like on Thanksgiving. They're having Thanksgiving dinner at the house and he, and they leave then. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. He's, he's got to do all that research and development on that cookie <laughs> distributor yeah, or whatever. The, 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 the CD. That was another one of my notes. Just all caps cookie cocoa dispenser. Yeah. <laughs> it's needed in every vehicle. But no, that's a good point. I didn't think about the fact that that's probably Thanksgiving that he goes. Because you got to figure in most, you know, Hollywood pictures or whatever, no one's missing until 48 hours. That's when you can then report it, according to TV cop rules. Right. Well, I was wondering, because, like, there's the scene where the mother, I don't even know what her name is. She goes to the police station and there's a lineup and, like, one of them is the black Santa. On the wall, there was a wanted poster with scott's face on it and i remember thinking in the scene like wow they got the sketch artist like on they printed the flyers in like three hours but it like based on what bernard says and like you mean barnaby Barnaby, (laughs) um uh boone's farm um (laughs) it would make sense that it's thanksgiving which in some ways is like more disturbing like you just casually like steal your kid for a month i don't know yeah it makes me uncomfortable to think about well that whole the whole like part where he gets you know quote-unquote kidnapped at the end is all weird because like the mom comes back into the other room like nothing's wrong and then runs outside and it's just like charlie like, where'd you go? It's like, dude, your ex-husband, who you just said at some point recently, I think, I don't know, again, I don't know the passage of time, uh, yeah. is no longer allowed to see your child. 
And then yeah. he shows up to your house unannounced, barges in, hugs your kid. You turn around and leave for an unknown number of minutes and you come back and they're both gone. And the best you can do is an exasperated porch. Charlie, uh, where'd you go? <laughs> Not like, oh, my effing God, the guy who my ex-husband who's delusional and thinks he's Santa Claus just stole my child. Help, yeah. help, police. Help, like, this is the same kind of reaction as the mom from Plain Trades and Automobiles, where it's just wholly underwhelming for the situation. Yeah, it, it like, like, had yeah. I realized, I probably would have been like, this movie is a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with a murder, <laughs> ends with a custodial kidnapping, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Scott fleeing from justice. <laughs> Yeah. To the to the far ends of the earth. That's true. Literally. Literally, yeah. He goes as far away as as humanly possible. Um, I just punched the microphone. Uh, let's see. So, what else do we have for notes here? Oh, so we were on the on the track of just like other good things. Was there anything else that like really jumped out at you? What did you think of like the the Charlie Scott relationship that only gets sweeter and more loving as the, the movie goes on. What did you think about that kind of through line plot? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we either lost her again or don't yeah. Yeah, no, I, it does what it needs to do. Like I still, you know, it's fine. <laughs> okay. It's fine. Fair, fair enough. Um, fair enough. I think sort of, the movie's highlight for me, like the high point is when, and like just the high, one of the high points in general, like as he's going into the houses and like experiencing and like figuring out like how being Santa Claus works is a lot of fun at the beginning of the movie. And then when he's doing it the second round and he goes back to that little girl's house and mm -hmm. sees her for the second time and their interaction is so much better, like that in some ways I found to be like a better, like more effective than anything that happens between this man and his son. The little girl with the soy him, milk, right? The little girl with mm. the soy milk. She remembered, and he's like, instead of being like, "Come on, come on," he's like, "Thank you." Like yes. you see, like more sort of of a a character development and arc there than you do with like. Right. Him and his own son in some ways. Yeah. So, go ahead, Adam. Uh, well, I kind of think that's just because, like, as much as he may not have shown it at the beginning, he's always loved Charlie. Yeah. Like, that's the... Mm -hmm. That's the sense that you get. Is that, like, yeah, he didn't do the best job of showing it. Yeah, he probably worked too much. He wishes that he could be better. But, like, he always had the kid's best interest at heart. So that's why the relationship, I think, there doesn't necessarily change. Because he's still, like, kind of short with him. True. He's still kind of, you know, a little snippy the way that he is where he's, you know, like, at the beginning when he's first, like, telling him to, like, calm down. You can see he's just like, dude, shut up. Let me figure this out, kid. Get out of here. A man just fell off my roof. At the very least, it's manslaughter, if not murder. Another time <laughs> that more concern should have been shown. Um, and 911 dialed. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But with the but obviously with the the little girl, it's the one other time he gets to see her. So it's the difference between, okay, a man just died on my roof and I'm doing this Santa thing for Lord knows how long. Um, 
and I'm at the end of my rope versus I, I love being Santa. You're a cute little, like, you know, nice girl who's on the nice list and remembered our interactions or whatever. So I, I get why that seemingly shows more of the change in character arc than the rest of his interactions with everybody else. Yeah. I was going to uh, comment about how laugh, laughably large the fireplaces were in a lot of these homes. <laughs> I mean, I get they have to show that he has to come out of them, but like, even when there was no like magic or, CGI or anything like that. It was like these things are huge, like <laughs> like whole rooms laid with brick. I really want the. Uh, I think it was the one that opens up into that little girl's house where it like took the kettle that was on the radiator and then like oh, put right. it on on fire inside yeah. with like another little alcove cut out for like bread or something. Like it looked like it looked like a proper, you know, old timey like. Black right, Plague era fire, cooking, yeah, yeah, fireplace. <laughs> it's like, I, damn, I kind of want that one. That was kind of cool. Yeah, what did you think about the explanations of Santa Claus, like the how he gets into houses without chimneys and how reindeers work and all that? What did you think about the the mystique and the allure of Santa? I As... thought it was fun and like fun to see. You know, like that. Like I know that that would have jazzed me as a kid because I was a big. Santa kid and like I loved you know you I was probably a Santa kid for longer than I should have been a Santa kid kind of thing and so you get into sort of these like larger theoreticals of like well how would it work and like what would you do and like how would it have to happen um like I can remember like and my parents were totally game for it, like faking phone calls from Santa to me, like Ooh, while my father's really like nice. off calling from another phone in the house and like just on the same line kind of thing. Like they century put, Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They put our dog on the roof and we were like, It's reindeer prince and like you're seven, so you don't go like that's a that's not what what? You just go, <laughs> Oh my god, Santa Slay was here kind of thing. Like and so just that I just thought was like really fun and magical i like santa yeah i like santa I, it was, as a concept <laughs> it was funny for me because my childhood house we actually didn't have a fireplace so like i mm-hmm. connected with that like right away when i was a kid i was like oh okay but my parents they would just stick like a boot mark walking into like the back basement door you know what i mean yep. but, mm-hmm. um no it's it's fun it, it it explains some some interesting things especially when you're a kid like okay how does he do this how do you do that how does he get around the world you know but um yeah. Yeah, that stuff is it's it's kind of neat because those are the kid the questions that kids ask is okay. Well, how does he get in here? And I loved them showing you like how to you know Charlie has those questions at the beginning and then they show you how it all works and then Judge Reinhold yeah. comes back at the end Neil and says to Charlie like he's sitting down he's like oh yeah Charlie well then how does they how do the reindeer fly? What about if you don't have a chimney? How does it work then? Like you know condescending to a child the way only a therapist could. <laughs> yeah, I love like in the beginning too, where uh, like he's starting to fly, like Tim Allen's, uh, Scott Calvin is starting to uh, see all the whimsical things that are happening, and he's like flying over chimneys, and Charlie's like, "You're flying," and he goes, "Yeah, I well, I lived through the '60s, I can handle this." <laughs> yes. um, or like, uh, like at the end of the night, where he's like, Charlie's like, "What do we do now?" He's like, "I'm gonna go to the doctor next morning and get a cat scan." Yeah, like, yeah. He has, like, <laughs> Like there's so I that's like my favorite part of the movie where he's questioning everything and he's just everything just hits like all of his jokes just hit. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, the the quippiness in this, and that points to your your point, Johnny, about how the the front how front loaded this is in terms of the 
the comedy elements, but those bits just like it's one after the other and they all land they and all none land. of them, none of them are for kids. Like at one point where it's like, uh, what was the last thing you did last night? It's like, Oh, I read oh, a book. Right. What book? The Hollywood wives. Like, wait, I read yeah, Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? We, we went out looking for women. We field stripped a cat. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Field dressed a cat. <laughs> yeah. Field dressed a cat. Yeah. That's what it was. Do you good. know what point was the, what, where was the deleted scene? Where would have it have existed in the movie? I'm curious. Uh, I think it's um, when he hands on the soccer field, when he hands him the card, maybe. Uh, I had it up previous. Um, there's a brief exchange where Scott and Laura takes place in which Laura hands Scott a piece of paper with Neil's mother's phone number on it. Uh, and then Scott says, 1-800-SPANK-ME. That was the uh, the fake but real phone sex line. Oh. So I, maybe it's at the beginning when, uh, when oh, she's when like... Oh, when they're doing the exchange and she's like, oh, we're going to Neil's parents. Yeah, gotcha. I feel okay. like there's a, there's a scene there. I'll have to see if I find the uh, if I have the VHS copy because I think it is still on the VHS copy. Um, it's basically every copy digitally and on DVD and Blu-ray after 1999. Um, they took that out, but yeah, so it's 1-800 Spank Me was the phone number. But I think yeah, I think that's at the beginning where he, they're like, yeah, we're going to be at Neil's family's for Christmas, and he's like, oh, Christmas at the pound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I I was even looking through when we were when I was watching on Disney Plus about what else they may have changed or taken out, like because I think they were like like when the guy spoke in a cigarette in the interrogation room, like they did like a lot of like niftiness to sort of not show that, or the cops like running into the house with no guns or anything. I was like, did they just et this <laughs> right. this version of the movie? So I think it's 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 probably as genial and like you know as I think it's supposed to be, but um. It uh, it, it that's funny that they end up taking that whole hook or, or whatever the spank me thing out of it. Yeah, well, I think it's because someone called it. Uh, I had it up here. What did it say? So there was an incident where a child from Washington called the number, which was an actual working sex line number, and incurred uh, incurred a phone bill of four hundred dollars, uh, which in ni- uh, twenty nineteen money is about six hundred and fifty two dollars. So uh, if you watch this movie on TV, though, that scene is changed uh, and he says one eight hundred pound. Which is funny because they're spending Christmas at the pound. So right, he says right. one eight hundred pound. Very clever, that Tim Allen. But yeah. So what did you think of the uh, the humor in this, Bridget? Did it, did it walk a fine line between adults and kids? Like, where who do you think this movie is for? Ultimately, like we had that conversation last week about. Who is Scrooged for? And I think that's a much more difficult discussion. But who do you think this movie's for? I think it's definitely, you know, meant to be for like a well-rounded audience. There's mm-hmm. there's stuff yeah. to like kind of keep grown-ups engaged as much as I like sort of, you know, don't. Like, some of the humor for adults I don't buy. I think some of the more, like, the level that this movie works at is the more, like, whimsical parts of it. Mm. Um, But it definitely, you know, it works. Um, Like, it doesn't have the same tone problem that Scrooge does. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely forgot that he worked for a toy company. I totally forgot that part of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. like again, I don't think I've watched this movie back to front to back since I was like a kid, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, this one I think is usually gets a pretty good rotation. I'll watch at least the first one I think every year. Beyond that, though, it's a it's a stretch, um, and we'll talk about the, the the rest of it in terms of whether or not you'll you'll want to see anything. But we'll we'll continue down this through line for a little bit. All right. So, what age? You said Bridget. It was probably later than you would have thought. What age did you stop believing? Totally real, by the way, for those listeners, yeah, and kids absolutely, listening. Absolutely, but it's just a, a matter of personal belief. Yeah, um, believing is seeing, as they say in the movie. Yes. Um, I was probably I think maybe third grade was my last year like it feels like like the from third into fourth was like sort of like the jump like sort so of like nine ten somewhere nine, in that range yeah maybe yeah seven eight, eight. Nine. okay yeah and like part of because my I'm the oldest of my siblings my brother's three years younger than me and then I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me like you know, you get to a point where you, as the oldest child, you stop believing, mm-hmm. but you're kind of let in, like, like, yes, like, this is, we've been lying to you, but now you get to participate in the lie. And so yeah. that sort of, like, extends the fun if you do it right. So I, like, never spoiled it for any of my siblings, that sort of thing. Like, it was very much, like, Santa was like a sacred institution in our house. That's fair. So. What about what about you, Johnny? When when did you stop believing in Santa? Uh, it was probably pretty early on, but I think same thing with Bridget. I kind of just I played along with it for a while. Like I was still mm-hmm. like writing notes to Santa to appease you know my 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 siblings, so they could saw they saw me do it, and I'd give it to my parents or whatever. But I, I ruined it for myself. Like I got like the confirmation, if you will, like early on when I took a, because I was curious. I wanted to hear Santa come into the house. So what did of I course, do? I found I found I found an old one way baby monitor and put it down <laughs> near the tree. <laughs> and and all ingenious. I heard all, all I all I heard all night as I was doing surveillance of my parents drinking and wrapping <laughs> presents. I was like, what, what is happening? It's just them laughing and whatever and. Um, so I figured out pretty quickly, like, like the jig was up. But uh, that could have been a much yeah. more scarring Christmas than I think you were even planning on, because like it's it could already be scarring to not find out to find out Santa's not real. But then who knows what else your parents could have been doing at the end of a one way? Yeah, baby right, monitor. right. Thank, thank God, right. <laughs> well, I probably turned it off a little early, so. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it went a little farther, like into believing in Santa than maybe most kids. I don't know, but um, yeah. Again, I think probably around that age, like somewhere in grammar school i don't know yeah fourth I don't, grade like that third fourth grade i don't know i don't remember exactly how old i was it was probably in the third or fourth grade if i had to if i had to guess but i do remember like coming downstairs middle of the night and like seeing dad like wrapping presents or putting all the presents like under the tree and like being like passed out in the chair next to the tree like because he fell asleep while putting presents out or whatever and being like that's it I knew it. And they, they would lie to me this whole time. I remember like telling all the family the next day, like, you guys will never believe what my parents have been doing. They've been lying about Santa and pretending to be Santa. <laughs> you guys are never going to believe this. It's insane. Oh. Yeah. I think it was also odd, too, that Toys R Us was sending out like that Bible of a catalog for all the kids to circle what they wanted for Christmas. You know, it was like, <sighs> you know what I mean? I started putting two together. Yeah, the Toys R Us big toy book. But see, yeah, the right. elves can make all of that. That's the beauty of the elves, is they can just yeah. make whatever. All the guitars, like, the elves made a puppy in this movie. Like, we don't see oh. the process, oh, but yeah, the elves get... make the puppy. 
They make the puppy and where does that puppy go? I don't know. How long is the puppy in the bag? How does the bag work? Can we talk about this for a second? Like, how does the bag know? Are there elves on the other end being like, okay, he's now at 81, you know, whatever lane. It's the Miller's house. Put in through the magic portal of the bag. Put in the Miller's presence. Right. Because the bag is empty. And then you get to the next house. It's not empty anymore. So, like, how does the bag Mm -hmm. work? Well, isn't Comet doing something? Because, like, when they get to the second house and Scott is like, the bag's empty, like, Comet looks back and is like, you thought. Yeah. yeah. Check again. We'll do it again. Yeah. He says, is it so really? Raises I... his reindeer, reindeer eyebrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that he was necessarily. I think he was just like, just wait, dude. Every new Santa thinks the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all right. So going back to the first, the initial transformation, involuntary manslaughter. What do you think of the actual Santa Claus that he who whoever puts on this jacket shall have the power of Santa Claus? I again, it is a toxic <laughs> workplace, unethical environment. It I is a toxic place to work. You know, what is Bernard's beef? Like, why? I, I noticed, like, right at the beginning, he's just yelling at everyone, like, right from the beginning. Well, he's the, he seems like he's pretty high up. We don't get his exact job title, but he's pretty high up there. He seems to be Santa's number two. Right. Um, in terms of what's going on. Um, so he's obviously just stressed because it's Christmas Eve. Uh, and he knows that he's got some dude who doesn't know the deal is the new Santa. So he's got to teach him all that stuff. And that's never easy. New hire training always sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, I get why he's on edge. Um, but that's no reason to... to take it out on the kids. Or the Can we talk, Can we talk about his get-up? Like, that guy, he, he looks like he's something out of, like, a, like someone tailgating at a Grateful Dead concert. Like, trying to, <laughs> like, trying to, like, trying to sell me a geode or something. <laughs> yeah, he's on Shakedown. Yeah, he's on the, Shakedown. The, the other 364, whatever, <laughs> whatever period of time yeah. between uh, day after, between Boxing Day and Thanksgiving whatever right. i think he's on tour with fish of the dead or something after that right. so he's just getting ready yeah he's he's at msg on new year's eve <laughs> with a, for with a, sure. one, one finger up in the air yeah. yeah he's he's doing the whole run from boxing day to new year's <laughs> eve he's doing all 13 doing the baker's dozen i'm sure i'm sure of it because uh, he could just magically appear like he doesn't even need tickets he could just get four seats whenever he wants it right right true. so it's perfect no lottery he doesn't have to worry about the no, hologram no tickets no the elves <laughs> can make hologram tickets <laughs> so it's so obviously can can happen speaking of bernard he uh that actor i don't know his name off the top of my head but he want to do what freaks and geeks and uh no it's david Crumholtz, i believe yeah. is his name he he was uh, in um 10 things i hate about you yep uh, he went on to do Numbers, that mm-hmm. show Numbers, and all of the sequels to the Santa Claus. I believe he is in the the other ones as well. And he also, think... as of just recently, there was a uh, a show on HBO about uh, like the CD porn industry in New York City, and he was like a porn director oh, in, the, uh, in that the show. The Deuce. The Deuce. That's, that's right. Right. The Deuce. Yeah, he's like super overweight. Or I think he's overweight in one season, then loses it all the next. It was weird, but um, it's a reverse Santa Claus, as he calls it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's from one year to the next, he dropped all. It dropped all the weight. Stopped eating all the sweets. Yep. Did you guys catch any of the home improvement Easter eggs in this? 
Oh yeah, he goes to put on the tool belt. He pulls up the tool belt, and then he does like the oh, oh, oh at some point. Oh yeah, the little yeah, yeah. Tim Taylor grunt. Yeah, so I, I noticed that. Um, let's see, what I'm trying to figure out here. Uh, so <laughs> all my notes like, do you like Denny's sad dads? <laughs> oh, the uh, did you guys catch the sad wave goodbye from the previous Santa? Oh, I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, we have to we, we have to dig into the fact that Santa is killed. Like okay. I, I Yeah, so I mean I don't uh, think you should be able to kill Santa. That feels wrong. In such a and I, and he hits on this the rest of the movie where he's like, What happens if I fall off the roof? Because precedent tells me that's very likely to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no one seemed traumatized enough by the fact that Santa died. No, even yeah, Charlie. Like, I would have just, like, yeah, Charlie's just like. You killed him. You killed him, and now we're going to steal his powers and steal his identity. Get in the whip, Dad. Like. Yeah, he didn't even, like, he didn't even check his pulse or anything. I think, I think something line, something in the line, he was like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out and I'll drop you off at the, the mall after this or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just going to check for your ID and then I'll bring yeah. you to the mall. Yeah. And he gets the little, the little card. Yeah. But Charlie's not phased at all by the dead body on his lawn. Um, and he's not phased when it disappears. He's not phased when the, uh, arose such a clatter ladder shows up. I love that. Um, yeah, yeah no, no, none of the elves are phased. Bernard's not phased. Like when that sleigh is coming down from the ceiling, they're all just like, guys, Santa's back. It's so magical and wonderful. Like he did it all in one night, just like he always does. None of them are like, who the hell is that guy? And exactly. why does he, have, well, why does he have another elf with regular round ears with him? Right. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's why, like maybe the old Santa was like a real sea bag. And like, that's why the North Pole is such a toxic workplace. Like he put some really bad like patterns and like <laughs> really like, you know, bad like decisions. Bad work culture. Yeah. Yeah, bad work culture. And so that's why they were just like, oh thank God somebody knew. Well, yeah, no I, one's phased that old Santa fell off. Now the do roof. you now do you do you think if Tim Allen died, they think they would just like mourn him or do anything like that? I think they would just carry on, wouldn't they? <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Which I is think, I think his personality is like completely incidental to the whole operation there. Yeah, it's just as long as there is an awesome Santa Claus. Santa. Yeah. Yeah, it's Fine. like the Borg. Just like no, you are you're just part of the collective. You're part of the machine. You are no longer Scott Calvin. Well, that's true too with the, how they act because like the first thing he says is, "Who's in charge? You are. Who's the head elf? You are." Like they're just like, no, you're Santa Claus now. I'm, you're not. You're not anybody else but Santa Claus. One of mm-hmm. us. One of us. Yeah. See, I feel like this wouldn't have been a problem if Judy hadn't been passed over for a promotion in favor of Bartles and James. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think the transition would have been a lot smoother had Judy been allowed in on the ground floor. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, the Santa's a the Santa organization is an old established, you know, old guard where you really can't, you know, it's a boys' club. So unfortunately, <laughs> just the nature of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a hundred year old establishment. You know, good luck trying to get anybody other than a fat white guy to be Santa Claus. Forget <laughs> it. 
I think one of the biggest cringy moments we early on was when we see his bedroom, like Santa's bedroom, and I was like, oh, God. It's like there's just toys and stuffed animals everywhere. I just can't. There's the Punch <laughs> and Judy puppets over in the corner. <laughs> right, yeah, right. they're, like, just going. I love their reaction, though, when he takes his pants off, and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe it. <laughs> that was yeah, pretty funny. I, I would like to see... I'm frightened by what the sequels hold in store because I feel like that. they're they're very different in tone <laughs> in you know what, some ways. But I, I want to know now that yeah, I did. I did look it up. It looks like most of the cast is like in all the sequels too, which is yeah. Charlie's crazy. there. Bernard is there. Tim Allen's there. I think Judy's still there. Um, they bring in some other kids when the original kids age out to be new, like head elves and the people you interact with. But Bernard still sticks around, even though he gets to be in like his mid to late twenties, if not thirties, by the time the, the series is done. Um, so he doesn't really have that childlike wonderment anymore that he might yeah. in the in the first one. Now, did you see? Because like when my playthrough ended, it brought up the Santa Claus two to like ready to play. So did you see, Bridget, what the description is of 2? No, I didn't. I'm okay. trying to – I know at least one of them features Martin Short, but I that's feel like that's third number one. three. Yeah, third one. The Escape um, Clause. Yeah, and Alan Arkin is in the third one. Yeah, he is plays – Alan Arkin doing – I think he plays like – Plumbing it. <laughs> Clause three. <laughs> Come on. He's playing some fantastical character. I feel like it's he's playing like a another holiday staple, like the Easter Bunny or something. <laughs> I believe. No. Hold on, let me see. If I can find I, that. Please no. Um, but yeah, so the the plot of the second one is uh, he has to find a Mrs. Claus. Apparently, there's more fine print on that little card that we weren't privy to. Tell me that Tell me that chick that he was like cat calling on the on the. Oh, like, Veronica? Good, bad. Not, yeah, Veronica, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Alan Ark. Oh, no, he plays Bud Newman, so just a regular, regular old dude. Um, but, yeah, like Mother Nature's in the third one, the Sandman, the Easter Bunny, Cupid, the Tooth Fairy, all, all other manner of fantastical holiday creatures. So any interest then, Bridget, in seeing a San- <laughs> uh, the Santa Claus 2, the Mrs. Claus? Honestly, yes. Okay. I, mean, I yeah, feel the... like now that I've started down this road, I need to just go all the way. I need to see what that is at the end of this. Okay. You may even like them more because I'm pretty sure the divorce element is probably out of the picture in these next two ones. It's possible. Um, yeah, but there's still the relationship element of it. I mean, both the mom, whose name is Laura, by the way, um, and you. Neil, they're back for the, the second one. I just yeah just no more like i don't want to see any more like fights in the principal's office or like scenes at a courtroom like kind <laughs> of thing he... like i like if we see laura and neil and we just kind of wave at them like hey that's fine. I, I love that scene in the principal's office because he, he still has the doll with him and i just could not stop laughing at it <laughs> Oh, yeah, because he probably has to bring that back to work. That's probably a prototype yeah. that or like he when just he's brought like, for career day. Yeah, when he's all stressed and nervous talking about, like, Charlie talking about what he does in the North Pole, and he's, like, wiping the, the sweat with the doll's dress <laughs> on his forehead. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Here you go, Bridget. How do you think the uh, some of the CG elements held up over <laughs> the nearly Jesus. twenty years? <laughs> uh, so we got I shrinking was, into fireplaces, the reindeer uh, flight. I, the the first time the reindeer take off on the roof, and it's like that golden eye, like polygon, like really narrow, like coming down. I gasped. Mm-hmm. But like, I was like, oh my god! <laughs> like, why is it? Ugh. Um, but it's, you know, like one of probably the earlier uses of it in that mm-hmm. sort of manner. But yeah, and I think they stuck to practical effects where they could, like, you know, yeah, Tim Allen's fat like, suit is a fat suit and it looks good. Like, mm-hmm. it's con- the scene in the doctor's office is pretty convincing in terms yeah. of a fat suit. Um, the the shrink- coming out of the floor. Yeah, some of that stuff was cool. The reindeer are looks, you know, animatronic yeah. and. Those are clearly practical. And even some of like the shrinking effects and the fireplace effects aren't bad, but anytime yeah. the sleigh is in flight or landing in oh, no. it was yeah. yeah, it's bad. Because the bad, the, yeah. the oh, weight doesn't feel right. Yeah. It it looks like a a P like a PlayStation cutscene. Right. Yeah. Like, ooh. Well, I'm looking at it now. The first so this first one, the budget was twenty million dollars, and the second one was sixty five million dollars. <laughs> Wow. Now, well, I don't yeah, know if it's inflation, the... but I mean, that's a huge bump. And then yeah. I think the third one. Well, the first one grossed 145 at the box office. Right. And the third and one had a $12 million dollar budget. Yeah. So I think it's because the first one grossed really well. Um, right. So they were able to pump that into the last one. And then the second one, I don't think did as well. Clearly, they bumped the production budget up. And when that didn't do as well, they plummeted it, it back down. down. Just to just to get it out there, you know. Um, I'm trying to say, did you guys see the uh, the really sad baby elf when they're like, yes. he's, he's like, I oh. don't even know if I want to be Santa, and then all this all the elves are like, oh my god, yeah. I'm so shocked, and they just cut to that one really really sad baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It That's seemed like there was some. <laughs> it seemed like there were some workers at the North Pole that just weren't doing anything. They were just like riding around in trains and like. <laughs> Like uh, bales of hay, and like, what what would that kid be possibly doing besides yeah, reacting? De- yeah, what department at the North Pole do you want to work in? Like, that's a good point. R and D, rapping. I want to be an. I want to be an elf. No, I want to be an elf. The uh, what was it? Escape. Oh, uh, yeah. logistics yeah. flight yeah, what, division. What was <laughs> it? Yeah. yeah. It was like it was excellent. like it was like elf liberations. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, like effective liberation. That's what it was. Effective flying squad or something. Yeah, flight squad. Yeah, I want to be an elf. I want the little jetpack. Anytime Santa's in trouble or in jail, uh, I want to go flying to his rescue <laughs> on my jetpack. Because then the rest of the year, you're probably just doing you know training exercises, flying around on a jetpack, which has got to be pretty cool. So I want to be I want to be an elf. What about you guys? Uh, I'm probably in the same boat. That is the coolest job, I think, yeah. outside of Santa, anyway. Yeah, one day of working, and the rest of the year you have off. I want to work with the polar bear crossing guards. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they have a good time. Yeah, we don't see that. We just know that they that, that job exists. Yeah. The worst job is whoever is the guy who has to stand out by the pole and wait for his sleigh to come down and get parked and, like, punch in the code. That's yeah. That's, like... You don't want to get put there. 
especially if it's a, if there's a new Santa, because then you got to stand there all stoic, pretending like you don't know what's going on, but you absolutely know what's going on. Yeah, and like, yeah, stare at him in like a very like pensive and disconcerting way, like. Yeah. And make it I seem like you're not going to help him. You don't. Yeah. You're just, you're just gonna have him stranded in the snowy tundra. <laughs> With the magic reindeer have left. It's just you and your kid, or you alone, and that's just what you're gonna have to deal with now. I love how nervous Tim Allen is at the end about uh not like surviving the fall off a roof. He's like, yeah, but if, what if I fall off a roof? <laughs> They're blasting fire at this like jumpsuit and everything. Yeah, so the fireplaces aren't a problem. Which it seems like that should have been fireproof tech that was invented long before the 1994 Santa reimagining like it should have. i feel like fireplaces would have been a big deal all throughout santa's existence yeah and they like, should have got that under wraps a little bit earlier um so i think the last two notes i had that i just wanted to touch on and get your opinion on uh was who's the worst parent in this situation because watching this is kind of what i alluded to at the beginning we're watching it this time as a kid, you realize that, like, okay, Scott's the absentee dad, so to speak. He's kind of a jerk about things. He's clearly – he doesn't listen to Charlie or at least from Charlie's perspective. Um, so he's, like, the bad parent, quote-unquote. Uh, but then mm-hmm. I started watching it from the mom's perspective, and at no point does she ever believe Charlie. It doesn't seem like at any point she ever sits the two of them down w- together or separately to be like, okay, what's going on? Tell me the truth. Like, let me in on it. She shows up at that soccer game just traipses through the middle of the field, immediately takes Charlie out of there. I was like, we're going home. No more soccer for you. We're going to argue in the middle of this field so none of the other kids can play soccer. Uh, Neil, I think at every point, is basically like, no, Scott sucks, and we need to get Charlie out of there. Like, he was honking on the horn at the beginning. So I, I want to yeah. know, what do you what do you guys think? Who's who's the worst parent in this situation? There neither are of them no are winners. great. Yeah, neither there of them are, are great. No winners here. I mean, clearly, like, Scott wins out because he's, like, the protagonist. But, like, there's so much going on. Like, there's a lot of, like, unhealthy family dynamics that are, like, kind of played for laughs, which, like, if you've lived through them, you're like... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, it just, like, I think the movie would have benefited from, like, some of the conflict would have felt more real and like meaningful if it was like more not just like you know Scott's an absent dad and you know mom has her problems like but it felt like everybody in the situation was well-rounded and like Neil was just this new person and like he didn't have to be like this weird manipulator who you were then going to forgive at the end of the movie anyways mm-hmm. like like ah it's okay that like your parents have separated and now you have this new like father figure in your life because of the magic of christmas like that just doesn't yeah don't worry i can't buy it i'm like "Mm." don't worry charlie everything's gonna be fine your stepdad got his weenie whistle i know (laughs) like although i did feel I didn't really feel bad for Neil because of all the manipulating he was doing the whole time. The only time I actually felt a little bad for him was that absolutely epic burn that Charlie gives at the end, which I don't know that it's intended to be that because it's meant to be. It's played as like a a very nice touching moment where, you know, he's he's talking to Neil and he's, oh. he's down at his level 
And Neil's like, you're going to make a great psychiatrist one day. And he's like, no, Neil, I'm going to go into the family business and like looks up at <laughs> Santa. And it's like, oh, that's cute. Like he wants to be in the family business of being Santa Claus. Like that's so sweet. But also sick burn, Neil, you're not a family member to him. <laughs> wow. Didn't even yeah. look at that way. <laughs> the second like he said it, I was like, oh, shoot, yeah. Neil, ouch. Thank you. Like, Pick up some of that snow, Neil, for that burn. Like, ooh. Um, Weenie Whistle will not help you here. I think part of the problem is, like, besides Scott, like, Neil and Laura are not really, don't get really, like, fleshed out in any way. Like, the one scene with Laura I really liked is when she's talking about the mystery date game. And, like, it was all she wanted. And, like, that's why she becomes, like, this disillusioned person. Like, I I wish we had had that more towards the, like, front of the movie. So you have a sense of, like, what her kind of motivations are mm. in some ways. And it would make some of what happens later make more sense. I was, I was like, oh, when she did get the game at the end, though, so. Yeah, that that was a sweet moment. <laughs> I was like, she got the mystery date, and he got the weenie whistle. Oh my god, the weenie whistle! Mm-hmm. Whistle. At first, I was like, wow, the weenie whistle! What a terrible gift to ask Santa for. But I was like, but then also he's three, so like that is what you would ask Santa for when you were three. Yeah. When I was three, would... I wanted to drive the wiener mobile, so oh, I yeah. very much related <laughs> to Neil in that in that wish. I'm 33 and I want to drive the Wienermobile. <laughs> I don't think you ever stop wanting to drive the Wienermobile, but I'm good on the whistle front. What What was the story behind Neil losing his uh, faith in Santa at three? He wanted a weenie whistle and he didn't get it. It was as simple as that. You don't get a weenie simple whistle? That. Just yeah. as simple as that. No weenie whistle, no Santa Claus. Did any of you ever get coal for Christmas? What are you implying, Bridget? I don't know. There were, there were not nice like... boys. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't receive a lot of stuff in years where I was not very good, either grades wise or acting off or whatever. But yeah, yeah. The closest I ever would have come was I got like that, like it's gum, but it looks like coal. And ah, uh, yeah. Aha! Uh-huh, we put coal in your stocking. Get it? Because it's it's gum, but it looks like coal. Uh, you don't find this funny because you just want action figures and video games. But like, look, we. We, the parents, think this is funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the closest I ever got. I, there was never a point where there was, like, nothing, and I opened the one present with my name on it. It was a box of coal or anything like that. Like, yeah. It never went to the extreme with the Santa Claus myth. Did you Did you ever get coal or anything like that, Bridget? No, it was held over our heads constantly. And, like, to a point, like, as we got older, we were like, no, you won't. She's like, it'll happen. You're not out of the woods, like up to like the the last, like the twenty fourth, basically. Yeah. But my mom loves Christmas. Like, like it it would hurt her more to do that. So mm-hmm. it just was what it was. Her biggest like Christmas was probably the year she got us Game Boys after like a whole winter of like telling us like, no, there's gonna be no Game Boy this year. I don't like them. I won't allow them. And then Santa brought them that year. And uh, she's sitting there like, yes, I did that. Like, yeah. I'm the Santa Claus. I am the Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, so one last question that I have for you, Bridget. Mm-hmm. If, if this Christmas Eve, 
you are arisen by such a clatter. And you go outside and you see a Santa Claus man just laying there, a corpse, essentially, on your on your lawn. Are you putting on the jacket? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is that well, from maybe, your fear of actually. dead people or because you watch the movie and you know the the hell that your life would be, be put in front of you if you had to become Santa Claus overnight? Honestly, I'm actually taking a longer look at my life currently and going, you know. <laughs> you know, a steady I job, place to live. Change. <laughs> uh, and I would probably put that suit on, but, you know, Brian would have to come with. Mm. And one of you guys would have to have the snow globe so I can come back and visit. Cool. Well, that I think that was all the questions that I had for you, Bridget. Uh, what about you, Johnny? Anything else? Uh, I mean, just I uh, just general questions. I mean, one, I think, I think what I'm hearing from Bridget is that you didn't really care for the movie. Is yeah, that where it's not I think for I'm me. okay? It's not for me, but I can't say it's a bad movie. It just ticks off a lot of boxes that for me are like a big no go. Yeah. But I can see why, like I on a fundamental level like i can see like why the movie works and like why it was successful and why people would return to it sort of thing mm-hmm. but ultimately yeah. if as the only way that this would have been for you is if that subplot of the divorce you know child yeah. divorce is taken or out of it or it wasn't done in like the classic 90s mm-hmm. divorce family movie is done like yeah then i could be I would be more open to it, but like, yeah, it's funny, you know. I having not seen it in years, I gotta say, watching it tonight, it like, <laughs> I don't like it nearly as much anymore. Like, I, oh, no. I, I wish I, I almost wish I didn't watch it tonight. Oh, no. I kind of just remembered it for, yeah. I kind of oh, wish. No. It, well, the thing is, it's not like a beloved movie to me or anything, so I'm not like really losing out so much. But like, I to me. Because when I was telling you earlier, I was like, oh, I think you're really going to enjoy it because it's really geared towards adults. And then, like, again, like, I kind of forgot about that complete shift in tone and attitude with uh, with Scott about just the way he views Santa and everything. And then all of a sudden he's like, like, all the jokes, like, all the jokes are gone. Like, all the snarkiness, everything is, like, gone. And that's that's where a movie that, like, dies for me. But, again, I think it <laughs> it really does. Um, First but Santa I dies think, and then. And then I die, yeah. Um, but, uh, I think, yeah, it's definitely way more of a kid's movie than an adult movie than I thought maybe I thought going into tonight. Yeah. I mean, they do, there's one of the reindeer farts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, yes, this is a movie for children made between yeah. 1990 and 2005. Yeah. Right. Santa farts too. The very first time that he's fat. He stands up and he, he lets one rip. So they're not above they're not above two farts a movie. I I will I will say the first act definitely holds up. Yeah. No, the first act is like the best part of the movie, I think. And then it's weird. Like the first act goes on for like a while. Like mm-hmm. everything from the beginning mm-hmm. all the way until like like Christmas Day when like the, the dream and everything is over. Like that's like forty five minutes or something. Like it's it's a good chunk of time. Yeah. And I think it brings us back to like the way that like the passage of time is depicted in the film, like just 
it makes that second half really disorienting. Right. Like if I had realized like Charlie goes away on Thanksgiving, like my view of the movie would have been completely different. But I was having a like wow, they really mobilized the sports really quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think can't it, believe it. It needed to be more of a montage of the gaps between the Christmases. Whereas it was kind of played like a montage wherein you weren't given any kind of semblance of the passage of time, the way that a montage doesn't give you any kind of indication of the passage of time, but mm-hmm. what they were played out as regular scenes. Like I would have mm-hmm. loved a quick, like this is Easter and he started to grow the beard. It's Memorial day and he started to get fat. It's 4th of July and he's got the list delivered and it's labor day. And this next thing happens. And then, then it's Thanksgiving and they're in, or it's Halloween and they're in court. And then it's, yeah. You know, and then Thanksgiving. it's Thanksgiving and yeah. He... It's funny. I can't even tell when exactly he like leaves his real job. Like I can't, I don't know how that like exit went, but again, I think that last scene was when they were talking about like Santa and a tank or something like that. Yeah. yeah. A callback to the opening of Scrooge. Yes. <laughs> yes. I thought of that too. Yeah, they just need the Lee Majors action figure to come with the tank <laughs> to help save save Santa. Um, yeah, so yeah. Adam, I, did your feelings about the movie change at all? Uh, no, because I mean, I've seen this I've you, pretty much you, routinely year after year mm-hmm. since 1994 for the most part. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I, it didn't like... I was trying to look at it like in a new light and that's where kind of like some of the more hatred for the, the mom comes about. Uh, yeah. Especially in her like the one quip I love the most is when she's like, we just want to keep him grounded. And Tim Allen's like, yeah, we would hate for that kid to start using his imagination. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's a good point. Why are you so like this kid is six, seven years old. Like it doesn't, it doesn't establish what grade he's in. I couldn't tell at least in the classroom scene, but like, I don't know. I feel like he's a little young to be like, all right, let's whip the imagination out of him. He's got to be nose to the grindstone thinking analytically and, you know, thinking like a psychiatrist because that's how we want to raise him. And it, yeah. it's, it doesn't that's really. That's the part of me that like, that like the whole divorce plot like falls flat. Like having watched my parents have similar fights, but that were like about actual real things. And like the conflict had like actual weight to it where I'm like, Nobody fights about imagination. Get fucking real. <laughs> like, 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 her character just feels like a flat obstacle, basically up until the point she's like, I just want mystery date. And then yep. we're like 75% of the way through the movie. Right. Yeah. Whereas if, like, the conflict was like, I feel like we can't rely on you. It's really important that you guys spend this time together. Why why were you late and lying to me about it on Christmas Eve? Like, Mm -hmm. Charlie doesn't feel connected to you. It would make the sort of journey that they go on more meaningful rather than just like, well, Neil doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Like, that's such like a weird, like, from like, I don't know, like, it rings false. Right. Yeah. And it definitely is played off. Like the only reason that Charlie's not allowed to believe in Santa is because Neil doesn't. And we're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, instill this or whatever. Uh, I even think in that conversation, it could be like, you could have put the mystery date thing there, 
you could leave Neil's for later to be like, oh, Neil, it sucks that it was three when when you realized it. And that's sad for you. And now we can help redeem your character. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Loris could have been in the house there be like, no, he doesn't need to believe in Santa. Like I was his age when I stopped believing in Santa. And it'd be like, and Tim Allen could be like, why? Why do you stop believing in Santa? Why do you have to make him do it? And she'd be like, the mystery date story. And then she'll tell it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's even parts where you could have it. Um, mm-hmm. And you can take think... out the whole fat shaming at work subplot. <laughs> uh, you got stung by a bee. Yeah, you could take that it was part a out of it. Very big bee. Yeah, it's very big bee. Um, and I get that that's to show that he's like transforming or whatever. But you could have just had literally any other thing, uh, and have it be a quick one-off. Like the doctor's office would have been fine if you want to put your fat jokes in there. And oh, like, I loved you... his heartbeat at the doctor's office. Like a lot. That was like fun jingle bells. Too. Yeah. yeah. The jingle bells. I just like, like that it stopped beating when he took the stethoscope away, and when he puts it back, it, it beats again, but to the same like melody. Which yeah. what was happening while you weren't listening? Was he not? Was his heart not beating? Or was it just beating <laughs> normally? And only plays jingle bells when the doctor's listening. <laughs> yeah, I think just the to kind of circle back to the mom and the meal and that whole relationship. Like part of like sort of the the conclusion of the movie is like in some ways it feels like you know he's making peace with them and they're sort of like coming to like a a sort of a peace treaty with like the co-parenting whatnot and like he's like extending an olive branch to them both but like that doesn't feel good if you've kind of made both of these characters like like why would you want to do that you know like the payoff doesn't feel like it's there Um, yeah their their turn needed to be more than just oh my god we looked in his eyes and he was santa oh my god i know (laughs) again it makes me think that like the like he is the borg like there's something sinister afoot like there's a sinister edge to the santa claus i think it could easily be like a horror film like if you strip some of like the lighter elements out of it. And I'm sure there's a YouTube trailer cut where it's all oh. the murder and yelling oh, yeah. at other characters that it's like yeah. this Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to look that up right after this. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure it's there. I'm sure it's a thing that absolutely exists. Cool. Well, I feel like we've touched on a, a lot of different points and anything that you want to say, Bridget, put a nice little Christmas bow. Um, I'm glad I watched it. Huh? Even though okay. it's not for me. Okay. That's fair. That's fair enough. You know, not every, I mean, that's the, that's kind of the the beauty of this podcast journey we're going on is that there are movies that you just, you just won't like, and that's totally fair. And mm-hmm. opinions and reviews are all subjective. So that's why, that's why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so no hard, as the one person who this is a staple of their Christmas lineup, no hard feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'll still make sure that you're on the nice list and you get whatever whatever gift you've always wanted. Put a C next to my name, not a C. All right. Well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Uh, Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all your favorite local podcast platforms. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Um, So let us know what you think of the Santa Claus. Is it in your 
your yearly rotation? Is it something like where Johnny, you haven't seen it since you were a kid uh, or are you a first time watcher like Bridget? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter uh, at broken clock pods. Uh, I think we discussed maybe not doing the sequels it right away. We'll give you a little bit more time to sit on a Bridget, see if your opinions okay. change at all. But we know we've got Santa Claus sequels in our back pocket for whenever we need you uh, to watch <laughs> something new Christmas wise. Um, but next week, I think we'll go back to our originally scheduled uh, plan of uh, watching Christmas Vacation, which I have not yet seen. So uh, I'll be on the hot seat next week uh, as we talk about Christmas Vacation. Uh, but once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Johnny. I'm Bridget. And thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.